0: Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Free Coaching Thursday. I am your coach, your guide, your leader for this adventure, Sarah M. Chapel. Really excited to dive in today. If you are catching this over on the podcast or the replay or here with us live, I want to make sure you know how Free Coaching Thursday works. We do this over on my Instagram account at Sarah M. Chapel, And the best way to participate is to come over on Wednesdays and check out my stories. There will be a little question box there where you can drop your question for anything that you need help with with your spiritual business. And then on Thursdays around 1 p.m. Eastern time, I go live. And of course, you can check out this replay on the podcast on the following Tuesday or over on our Instagram feed. So thank you for hanging out with me today some awesome questions i'm going to go ahead and dive in hey lisa good to see you our first question today is how to raise prices especially for existing customers what a fantastic question so usually when we look at raising prices there are a few kind of emotional factors when i see this question one of the assumptions i'm going to make based on um, the limited information i have is that there's a concern about people either being mad that you're raising your prices or that you're afraid that you're going to start losing customers. And these are fine things to be concerned about. You know, we want to provide really great service to our customers and to have really clear communication with them. But if you are concerned about losing customers, I will go ahead and say that you probably don't want customers who are going to be mean to you about raising your prices. <laughs> okay, they may choose that you know that you may no longer be the right fit for them, but don't worry about upsetting people. Your best customers are going to respect the fact that you need to raise your prices, that you want to raise your prices, and they should want the best for you, even if that means that you're not their ideal fit anymore. But strategically, there are a few things we can do to raise prices in a way that's really supportive, especially for existing customers. There are two primary ways to raise prices. One is just to raise the price on an existing product, offer, or service. Just this now costs more. And the second one is, is to revamp the offer and present it as if it were something different and essentially make some changes that validate that price increase or decrease, depending on what you're doing. The first one is the most common one, right? Let's say that you are a, a tarot reader or you um, yeah do coaching for people or something like that. You've been doing $100 an hour and you're like, I need to charge $150 an hour. Yes, you do, please do. So I wanna raise my price. How do I do that? If you are, first of all, I would just change it up front on your website, everywhere is changed, just fucking change it, right? Don't let new customers come in at the old price once you've decided to increase your rate. But for those existing customers, it can be really nice to do one of two things. One would be a last call opportunity. So send them an email, and depending on the way you run your client list, you could send a mass email, you could contact people individually. Um, If you do really high level or more expensive work, an individual note can be very nice. And just tell them, hey, um, I'm raising my prices. So you have until the end of the month to buy in at the current rate and give them an opportunity to do that, to buy in, to uh, reserve a spot, to book a session, to get a gift card, whatever it is, but something so that they can go ahead and buy at the current rate. That can be really nice. I can also do a really great kind of price push. It can give you a little sales boost, honestly which is nice if you're making a transition period and you're not quite sure how long it's gonna take for your customers to adjust to the new pricing. So I really like that. I also think it's a nice opportunity. You know, Some folks will take you up on it, some won't, but overall it's gonna give you the space to, to, yeah, to kind of offer that as a bit of a gift to your existing customers. The other thing you could do is you could step your customers up to the price. So you can say, hey, I'm raising my prices for new customers for you since you're already a customer The price is only going to increase this amount for the next couple months, and it will go up to the full amount at this time. Um, The key in both of these strategies is clear communication. The thing that doesn't feel good is when customers who are actively purchasing from you go to your website and realize that your prices have like fucking doubled, right? That's the thing that I think that we do want to try to avoid, especially if it is the same offer. Now, the other opportunity is to essentially just make a different offer, right? Call it something new, restructure it re-describe it, you know, clarify the transformation in a different way so that the people who are buying it see it really as being something different. And that kind of solves all your problems um, if you're looking to really readjust the offer itself. So those are the different ways I would approach it. You can, I would just go ahead and raise the price. You can offer your current customers some time in which to buy in at the current rate uh to buy a package to reserve some sessions to get a gift certificate whatever it is before it goes up you can step them up to the price by giving them like a couple months or something or like a midi- a medium price let's say you're going from 100 to 150 it can go to 125 for them for the next month or something that's kind of like an admin thing but it's a, it's a good strategy depending on how you're seeing people and how often they're coming and then finally you can just repackage the offer new name new package new clarity of transformation that reflects the price change. And that is also, I would say, if you have to lower your prices for some reason, let's say you realized, oh, this offer isn't really working at this price point, I'm actually not selling as many as I want, then I would definitely create a new offer, new name, new structure, change the promise of the offer so that customers who have purchased it at a higher rate don't have that feeling of like, oh my God, I I paid so much for this thing and now it's cheaper. We would definitely want to avoid that. And the way to do that is by making it a different offer. So change it somehow. Um, like you know, If you're seeing people for 150 bucks an hour for a reading and you're like, ah, I don't like this price. It doesn't feel good. Um, I'm not booking what I want or it just doesn't feel right to you. I've had that happen where I've charged, I've like had offers at higher rates and I was like, this actually doesn't, like I don't like how this feels. The exchange is off, right? You can't just be, my readings are now hundred bucks. That sucks, right? That sucks for people who purchased at the higher rate the thing to do is to revamp that as a different offer. And it is at that price point. If you're lowering the price, it is a different offer. It should be shorter, it should have a different promise, it should include less. Like maybe you were sending follow-up emails, now you're not sending follow-up emails. You know, whatever it is for you, but something so that the offer itself feels different and I would probably call it something different or really clarify that, it, that it's new and introduce it as something new. So that's a bunch of different ways to deal with that. I hope that that is helpful. But basically, clear communication and giving people an opportunity to buy at the old rate of what you're doing is increasing price is usually really supportive and helps people feel very, like, seen and cared for. Um, that's what we did before we kind of finally raised the price in HBA. We did a last call price push at the old price um, for the people who'd been kind of on the fence. And, you know, that worked really well. And it felt good to be able to do that. So I recommend that a lot. I think it's nice. All right. Our next question today is, would love to know your opinion on private versus public versus biz versus private Instagram accounts. Okay, cool. So here, your end goal with the account should dictate the kind of account you have. If you are using it to run a business, it needs to be a public business account, full stop, right? Without that, you don't get to see the uh, metrics. You're not going to know what's working and what's not working. You can't have some of the integrations that work really well, like book buttons and things like that. But ultimately, if you are a business, treat your business assets as business assets. Don't pretend that they're not. You know, it has been like, there's this whole fucking thing. I think people are finally not saying this anymore, you know, but for, for a couple of years or was this like, oh, I switched to a business account and then my reach plummeted kind of shit. That's, that's not true. Usually what happens, you switch to a business account. It also means at the same time that you're publishing more business stuff. So your existing audience is probably readjusting. I'm not saying this is your situation. I actually think you do have a business account. But um, basically, if it's a business, it should be a business account. You should take it seriously. You should present it as such. Also, because that is a communication to your potential customer. Having a personal account and then being like, or like a private account and then selling shit is going to be really confusing to your customer. That's not what they signed up for. That's not really like consent-based selling in a way. Like all of these things are information for your customer. Um, private accounts, I know why people do that. I, I understand the, especially with, you know, trolls and some of the, yeah, kind of weird, like shamey, like public shaming stuff that that ha- happens, you know. Uh, yeah, like not accountability Is bullying. (laughs) Um, Like, I can see why I know why people use private accounts. I think for a business, though, overall, that's not a long term strategy because also people are going to be way less inclined to follow you if it's a private account. They want to see what they're getting, especially if you're a business. Now, that said, that doesn't mean you can't have a personal private account. You totally can. You can have a, I learned this word five years late, a Finsta, right? A friends only Insta. And I personally, my opinion, like, I wish I had the energy to have another Instagram account. I am an actual human, I would like to do more human things sometimes, like just post random shit or say things that I, I don't know, just like be a little bit more casual. Um, honestly, that's what I'm using Twitter for. Um, even though my Twitter's not private, I just am like more, I'm a different version of myself over there. And I'm really enjoying that. But you know, the thing I get worried about when business owners start talking about having multiple accounts is like, do you have enough energy for the one account you already have? And if you add another account on top of it, especially another account on the same platform, I just want to be really clear on why you want that. What is the benefit? You know, if you just want an account where you like, are just following things that you love that make you happy, and you're not like doing engagement work, you're not like trying to follow back customers, stuff like that. Cool. But ultimately, like if you're a business owner, you need a business account, that should be your primary like front facing thing you want that data, you want that clear communication with your customers. And yeah, I think that, you know, there's good reasons to have private, you know, private, you know, accounts, if you want a private personal account. But ultimately, I would just be clear about what those two roles are playing for you, what kind of content goes where, and just be mindful of like, are you setting yourself up for like a whole other layer of work? Um, For no reason. Because honestly, like, Y'all, we got other things to do than just be on Instagram. (sighs) Of course, I say that and I just made a TikTok today. So I made a whole TikTok joke about my middle part that ended up happening today, but then I deleted it. I'm sorry, you guys will never get to see it. But I have a middle part today because apparently I'm old and just heard about that joke. All right. Keeping things simple, sticking to one thing. Ah, (laughs) awesome. I love this question. You know, how do we keep things simple and keep things focused? <sighs> we have a whole lesson inside the Holistic Business Academy about this. It's called, but I'm multi-passionate. <laughs> so if you're inside of HBA, definitely check out that lesson. If this question resonates with you, I think there's a few pieces. The first is that as your business is in its beginning stages, going the spaghetti method, right? Like I didn't invent that term, throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks, but I will uh, use it here. I call it the spaghetti method. It's not abnormal if you're still trying to figure out what works for you what you like doing what you can do consistently and i think it's a little hard for me to say like up until this particular revenue number that works but to make a broad generalization i would say maybe up to like 5k months you could probably get away with the spaghetti method but at some point doing all the things is going to prevent you from growth um When we have a lot of different stuff in our business, it means we have a lot of different processes. It means that we lose time and energy to context switching. It means if we're making physical products, which you do, um, you know, that you have all these different materials but we don't get the benefit of buying things at scale or streamlining. So over time, the, the lack of simplicity is going to probably like literally cost you money. It's gonna cost more money to do more things. Doesn't mean you can't, but that's one of the reasons that that focus is so important. But that said, you know, I think that we get maybe a little confused about what simple or sticking to one thing is, and what I like kind of would like to recommend is based a little bit more on the offer bucket concept that I keep in, teach inside of HBA, which is maybe a little bit less about thinking about one thing and thinking more about how they all intersect and fit together, and do they make sense as part of? a customer journey of how people are interacting with your company. So the very simple basics of this is that we might have an entry-level price point for stuff, right? Maybe those are things that you can make at scale. Maybe those are scaled digital products. Those are your easiest to make physical products, that kind of stuff. We have a middle tier, which might be a class with you. might be a workshop, something like that. might be a a more robust physical product project something and then we have the highest tier right which is basically the most access to you the most in-depth most involved projects the most complicated custom things and if we think about that way then we don't have to worry so much about thinking about sticking to one thing what we're more concerned about is like are these offers cannibalizing each other are we making things more complicated by having a bunch of competing things at the same price points because if you're having a hard time sticking to one thing maybe you shouldn't maybe, maybe that's not like the right place for you right now. Um, Again, I can say from like a strategic perspective, at some point, if you want to grow past a certain size, which you may or may not, right, your goals are yours. But if you do want to grow past a certain size, streamlining is going to make a big difference, It's going to make things a lot easier, it's gonna make it easier to hire people, it's going to save you money, it's going to make things more clear for your customers. But if you're still kind of like putting the pieces together or you don't want to grow too much more, then you're probably okay. Another way to approach this, right? So I'm kind of giving you some different ideas because I really think this is actually very personal. It depends on how you work, how your brain works, what your goals are. I'm not super into the whole, you know, one size fits all. It's not really my style. So sorry you're getting a whole bunch of decision trees for you. But I'd say the one other thing to think on is can you give yourself a focus for a set period of time? And I think that that is something that I see a lot of visionary entrepreneurs and creative people have a hard time with, is that, you know, we'll be like, the very binary thinking, either I'm doing all the things I love, or I'm doing, or I'm doing only one forever. Well, maybe you focus on something for a month, right? For a month, you make this product, for a month, you do this workshop. And then the next month, you do something else. I personally do recommend like 90 day cycles if you can, but I'll be the first to say that's not always reasonable um, from a revenue standpoint, from a, um, yeah, just like a speed of needing to do things standpoint. Sometimes we need to move faster. Sometimes I'm selling a different thing every month. Sometimes we don't sell something for like three months. It just kind of, I have not nailed the, nailed the schedule, so I'm not going to force that on you, but essentially give yourself a clear timeline. And I think that maybe that's the way to create a little bit more structure and simplicity is not sticking to one thing. ah, But sticking to one thing for this moment, for this period, and giving yourself a firm deadline when you get to reassess, like on the calendar in ClickUp, tell your partner, tell your friends, okay, on this day, I need to sit down and reassess how did that go? Because that In the new holistic business framework, we actually have a whole section called assess. It's an entire phase on the importance of assessing your progress, assessing your numbers. So when you're telling me you're having a hard time focusing, one of my guesses is that you probably are not doing any assessment, right? Trying one thing, trying one thing, trying one thing, spaghetti method all over the place without giving yourself the pause to say, did I enjoy that? Was it effective? Did it make money? You know, do I want to try it again? So try building in some stop points for yourself to do this level of assessment and say, okay, did this work? Did this not work? And that also might help you, first of all, to focus, but it also gives you an end point like, okay, I only have to keep focusing on this thing for like one more week. Like, let's just give it one week of our attention and then we can see what's next. So I know there's a bunch of different ideas. I hope that's helpful as some ways to start to think about keeping things simple without essentially limiting yourself, maybe before you're ready. I will also say the last thing, which is one of my favorite quotes ever. Your business is not here to amuse you. Oh, gosh, that quote just fucking murders me every time. Because a lot of us who are business owners, a lot of us are really creative people. We like doing a lot of different things. We are starters. We're ideas people and we like to be amused, right? We want to have that level of um, stimulation, of excitement. And the problem is that a business actually doesn't do that. (laughs) Businesses thrive on consistency, on stability. It doesn't mean that they aren't creative, they're super creative. But the, the part of you that has all the awesome ideas is not the same part of you that executes on those ideas and grows a business effectively. We have to kind of honor both parts. And until you get to a place in your business, which honestly is like a multi-million dollar place and even more, like it's not, this is not like probably in the near future for a handful of us. I mean, sure. Again, I'm always like, go forth, have a million dollar business tomorrow, but also let's plan for that maybe not happening overnight. Until you're able to really hire someone to be a chief operations officer, to be an integrator, you're still going to have to do both of those things. So just noticing is that desire for intensity, that desire to be creative, that desire for I don't want to say a desire for distraction necessarily, but just like this desire to like have your hands in a bunch of different pots. Like, is there some way, is there another place in your life where you can bring in, like enjoy some of that energy that isn't your business? This is something I personally struggle with. So that's why I'm like kind of throwing it here at the end is like, my business is not here to amuse me. My business is here to provide the service that it provides. And that can be hard because I have like 50 ideas a day. I'm like, oh, we could do this. We could do that. This would be cool. That would be cool. And like 90% of them are massive distractions. So that means that in other areas of my life, I really indulge that. I skip around. I start a lot of things. I like play. Where do, can you play that is not your business? Because if you start pushing that energy elsewhere, it might free up some of this focus that you're desiring. All right. I think that's all I have on that today. I hope that gives you some initial next steps to work on there. All right. All right this is a multi-parter. Do I need a one-on-one coach or do I just need to trust myself? Pull the ace of pentacles, lol. <laughs> all right. Um, coaches need coaches, but when do they not? And I guess my question is, how do you know if you need guidance versus just trust yourself? Awesome question. So, I think there's a few things that I think here. The first is when you're going to hire a coach, especially for making a big investment, if it's possible, I think it's really helpful to be extremely clear of what you want to accomplish with that coach. This is going to be helpful for you, it's going to be helpful for them. I would say the most challenging coaching relationships I've had as a coach are when people come in and haven't thought about their goals and we start working and they realize that's not what they want or that they don't want to do what it takes to get there. And I'm saying that like from a coach perspective. And also like when I have not been a great client has been when I haven't been clear on what I'm trying to get out of it. And often that's when we enter into coaching relationships out of a kind of lack of self-trust, as you're mentioning. I'd say also, you're not saying this, but like sometimes there's a feeling of like desperation, like, oh my God, I can't solve this myself. I have to get help. I don't know how to do this but we're not really clear on what this is. We're just like overwhelmed. If that's where we are, we often don't need a coach. We often actually need like help in our business. If we're overwhelmed, we don't know how to solve something. We might actually need a contractor. We might need a VA. We might need somebody to like actually help us do certain things. Now, if you have a specific skill or goal that you're trying to reach, that is a fantastic time to hire a coach. If you're like, okay, I'm stuck on this hump. Um, I can't get past this, this amount of revenue, or I'm having a hard time launching this offer. Every time I launch it, it's not working. And I really would like this to be successful. That kind of stuff is fantastic for a coach. Okay, my messaging is really unclear. I'm not growing my audience. Like if you can identify something. And a lot of coaches do kind of broader stuff. And like there are, I think, fantastic coaches for more self discovery work, more kind of life coachy things. But here you're really talking about this like kind of business aspect, like when do you need your own guidance need guidance versus trusting yourself? I want to ask you, have you tried trusting yourself? <laughs> have you tried applying the tools you already have using the resources at your disposal? and have you have you tried? Now there's nothing wrong with wanting more support um, to do that, right? But since you're asking the question, there's like this hint of doubt. So I think ultimately, Hiring a coach is great when we have a specific goal, a specific skill, a specific hurdle we're trying to get over. And again, it can also be helpful when we're just feeling like, we, like we're feeling stuck. We feel like we don't know what we want to do. But if you're asking, how do you know if you need guidance versus to trust yourself? I think maybe you want to try trusting yourself first. <laughs> like, have you taken action on this? And if you have or or if you if you are really clear on like okay I specifically need help with this thing this issue then that's a great time to hire a coach. The other thing I'll say and this is not you specifically but um as I ran into this this year this is my first year that I haven't been in a coaching community or had a coach but I did spend 9 months in therapy. So sometimes I would have to put that out there the if we're really like mired in self-doubt unable to take action we might not need coaches, we might need a different kind of support, we might need healing support, we might need somatic healing support, we might need therapy, therapy, we might need something that else. So just like a level of like self awareness around, you know, what is coming up here? Is it just manifesting in the business? Or is it actually a business issue? And you know, as a business coach who has a lot of mindset training and stuff, like, you know, there are a lot of coaches who can help with a lot of kind of getting into action for the goals. Um, But those are the kind of things that come up to mind with me. I think the last piece is at the risk of kind of being like, I don't mean to sound down on coaching. I love coaching. I am a coach. But I think that maybe 50% of the time, what we need is just someone to talk to, someone to bounce ideas off of. Um, And if you want to pay the premium price to have an expert do that, I think that's fine one of my favorite things about coaching people. I love, like we do like Voxer chats. Like I love being the sounding board and kind of noticing the patterns and helping people to see what they're saying. Like I really enjoy that. But I also know that I can get a lot out of that out of with talking with other business owner friends, like doing co working and stuff like that. So I guess what I would recommend if you're trying to make a decision is if you're able to to make a list, right? What are the specific things that you need help with? And the more specific you can get, Even if, and I don't mean, it doesn't have specific, like I want to make an extra $1,000 a month. Like it doesn't have to be that, but I'm having a hard time being visible in my business, right? That level of clarity, if you're able to find it, I think is going to help you do a better job of deciding whether or not you do need a coach. But I also think that a lot of us have been super ingrained to default to not trusting ourselves. And as much as I love coaches, I'll probably work with someone again later the second half of this year. I think it's super helpful. I just feel like if that question is coming up, how do you know if you need guidance versus just trusting yourself? Might be time to trust yourself first and see what happens. Some lessons we can only learn by doing them. And some mistakes and the lessons that come from them, even a coach can't help you prevent. Some things we just have to learn. And that depends on who we are, right? So that's my those are my thoughts. I know it's a little bit circular and roundabout, but I hope that's helpful. I think for a lot of people too, depending where you are, but I mean, I know you've been in business for a minute or more. Sometimes what we actually just need is like actual help or we need a consultant or something to like take some things off our plate or to help us solve very specific issues. So yeah, that's what I would look at first. But also trust yourself. (laughs) Great questions. I love these questions. Um, oh, this looks like a follow up. Should you be following back customers? I find this blurs lines for me, but I don't know. Um, I think that depends. If it's a business account, then engaging with potential customers and engaging with your customers is probably best practices. I'm not great at this. Not like in a bad way. I just, I'm not great at engagement. I'm super, I'm like, I'm super introverted. Being on here and like commenting on people's shit's really hard for me. I like read a bunch of stuff. but I'm really bad at that, to be honest. But, you know, the algorithm is made up of the actions that you take. And when you are interacting with your customers, and you're interacting with potential customers, that is more information. That also means that you're going to get in front of more people, you're going to build better bonds with potential customers. So to me, following customers from a business account is not a blurred line. I think that's a very clear line. Um, and probably something like, I should do more. I just don't pay attention. I'm very bad at that. So this is like a more of a, "Here's the strategy piece. What I actually do is very like, oh, <laughs> I'm not great at it. You know, I, I can understand the board lines. I think I've kind of gone back and forth on that personally. Um, I think earlier in my business, I probably did less following back of customers to so those worried about stuff like that. But ultimately, you know, it's a business account. So I think that engaging with customers there makes a lot of sense. I do think that if it's a if it is a personal account, then that is a blurred fucking line, right? If I had a friend only Instagram, I would not be engaging with customers on that um, unless they are people who were truly friends and like close colleagues at that point. Um, and that, but that's like totally up to you, right? I think there are people who run very successful business accounts who basically follow no one or follow zero customers. I think that's fine. But overall, if the goal is essentially essentially what social media is, is like networking. Then following back customers, I think, makes sense. But I think it depends probably on the context. And like it's just up to you. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. I don't know if there's a hard and fast rule, but I would say more engagement is probably better, and more engagement with people who are buying from you is probably better. For the for the tape, the algorithm to feed it. Alright, y'all, thank you so much for hopping on for free coaching Thursday today. This was a blast. Such great questions. I appreciate all of you and those of you who are here watching this video, I hope you appreciate. My middle part—I'm really proud of it today. Um, How free coaching Thursday works. If you're new here, or you're just checking this out on the podcast or something like that. On Wednesdays, over on Instagram at Sarah M Chapel, we uh, post a question box in my stories. You can drop your questions there. Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern time, I go live about 1 p.m. Eastern time. sometimes earlier, sometimes later. I was on time today almost. (laughs) Um, And I answer as many of your questions as possible. So this is a fantastic resource. It is free. I encourage you to share it with people. If you found this valuable, if you find this useful, I would so deeply appreciate it if you would do one of two things. One, share this with a friend who would use it. If you know a friend who needs some business coaching, who needs some support, who just needs a check-in, let them know that this is available. And two, go and leave us a review on itunes for the podcast so you want to be a witch if you're listening to it there if you can type a review that does that does help more just to be honest so thank you i appreciate your time taking the minute to like be like sarah's awesome if you think i suck please don't leave a review like that is less helpful and you probably should just not listen to the show then and you can move on with your life Bless and less and release um So if you would do me a solid there, I would really appreciate that. It's so helpful for us to get in front of more people. And because we are putting in the effort to be here and do this free coaching, I want to make sure that people are using it. So that is my request to you, a little exchange for our time today. I appreciate each and every one of you show up here who listen to this. Um, I appreciate your questions and we will see you all next week. Bye for now.